You're listening to Locked On Irish, your daily Notre Dame athletics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's episode, the Tuesday show of Locked On Irish, we're going to start out with a Western Michigan preview for the men's basketball team looking to rebound after a sloppy performance against Michigan State. We're also going to address rumors that Notre Dame, one of their coordinators, might possibly be leaving for a gig in a different conference. And then lastly, as we do every single Tuesday, we're going to give our positional grades of best and worst position groups from the previous football game just to turn that page onto Syracuse, which is the next opponent. Before we get into everything, folks, I am Joe DeLeon, former college long snapper at the University of Rhode Island, joined by the director of scouting at NFL Draft Bible, Ryan Roberts, who is also a college football and NFL draft analyst. So, Ryan, we got to get into this basketball game. It's coming up on Wednesday. This is going to be an important game for Notre Dame as they are looking to rebound, get their feet underneath them. And just taking a look at this Western Michigan squad, I would argue this is a a strong opportunity for them to figure out some of their issues. They've only played one game thus far, a 66-62 loss to Butler, which is a fine program, nothing to... Not really an elite program, but a decent one in a mid-major conference. And then their other game against Trine, which I have absolutely no clue what that is, um, that game was canceled. So they've only played one game. So Ryan, just looking at this and and looking at how they performed against Butler in that 66-62 loss to them, what do you think is the one takeaway our listeners need to be aware of coming into this game? Well, I think the phrase of Notre Dame going to rebound or needing a rebound is a really nice kind of play on words there because when (laughs) I look at the Western Michigan uh, Butler game that they lost, as you said, 66 to 62, the big thing that I see when I look at Western Michigan is there's not an incredible amount of size on this roster. They have Greg Lee, who is their best big man. He is their biggest, tallest player on the roster, actually, at six foot nine. Not a great showing in his first outing. 3-for-10 from the field. Only had 6.7 rebounds. That's pretty much the majority of the size that this team has on the roster because their other, um, their best players on the roster, B. Artis White, is only 6-foot, and that's very generously listed 6-foot. Rafael Cruz Jr. is only 6-foot-1. So I'm looking at this team, and how do you get off on the right foot here if you're Notre Dame? It is to physically dominate what is a lesser competition potentially in Western Michigan. You're going to have the opportunity to really dominate down low. Uh, There's just not a ton of size that the Broncos bring to the table. So I think that the the adage, you know, needing a rebound, I I think that that's really going to – I think the ability to win on the glass, get extra baskets, get extra opportunities, I think that this is all an opportunity here against a smaller Western Michigan team that does not have the size to match up against a ACC caliber team of a Notre Dame potentially. So I think that they have the size advantage. They have probably the skill advantage in general, but I think that when you really look at what Western Michigan offers to the to the court, right, like their best players are all smaller players. Greg Lee is not the, you know, is not a dynamic weapon down low, even though he is their biggest player. I think that Notre Dame can take advantage of some of those size limitations and I think that that's kind of where Western Michigan really lacks when you're kind of when you're comparing them to an ACC caliber basketball team. 
Right. That's the really big thing here. I, I don't even think that there's any other alleys that need to be addressed because this is a program that does not can recruit on the same level as Notre Dame. They're going to be scrappy. They're going to come out and fight. But when you just look at their entire lineup, they are seriously lacking in height. You mentioned Greg Lee is their tallest player. He didn't really rebound that well against Butler. But, I mean, Beardis White is six foot, and I think he had the most rebounds. Yeah, he had seven rebounds in, in this game against Butler. That's, that's not really something to be proud of, that one of your smallest players is your best rebounder. I think that he'll probably be the guy matching up against Prentice Hub, and you already have that size advantage as Hub is is around six foot three. So the, the size advantage is going to be big just with your guard play, but more specifically down low. I think Juwan Durham, this is a game where he needs to have a bounce back performance, and it's going to really be based on how he plays on the glass going against guys that he has uh, around two to three inches on in height. That is what I'm going to be focusing on is, is how do these bigs play in this game for Notre Dame because they didn't look all that great against Michigan State. They didn't play at the, the level that we were hoping for in their first game of the year. This needs to be a confidence type game where you come out there, you rebound well, maybe you get some, some offensive rebounds and some putbacks. You play well down low in the post. You play better than you did against Michigan State. That kind of confidence is what you need. And I, th I think that's a big reason why you schedule a game like this. Now, I'm not trying to knock Western Michigan too much, but if we're being entirely realistic, this should be a team that, that Notre Dame beats pretty easily. But I think the better way to phrase it, Ryan, is this is a, a team that Notre Dame needs to beat by 10 or more points. They need to go out there. They need to dominate them. This cannot be a game where it comes down to the wire and they let Western Michigan hang around for way too long because if you're doing that, you're going to continue to lose confidence not only in the fan base but also for your team if you can't go out there and smack a, a team that you are clearly much more talented than. Oh, absolutely. And it, it really comes down to the, the lack of size. We talked a little bit about you know rebounding and, and playing down low, but even – when on the perimeter, being able to guard a guy like Prentice Hub and um, and Cormac Ryan, who are you know pretty solid shooters outside, they have a little more size than White and Cruz do on the guarding the perimeter. So I, I feel like, and we talked about this a bunch, right? They have decided to really make the the beginning of this schedule very difficult, right? Like they have talked about this a bunch. Uh, in in you know just kind of preparing potentially if there is any type of shutdown or cancellation or whatever it is they're they're really top heavy to begin the year of a lot of really tough opponents Western Michigan is a must win for them they have to take down this team you have to beat the teams that you should dominate that is is the big point of emphasis right now because if you get upset by a team like Western Michigan then this is going to be a very difficult start for Martin, for Mike Bray and the, the Notre Dame basketball team because this is one of those games that you look at and you kind of, before the season started, even though Western Michigan, you know, I, I'm, they're, they're going to play with some scrap. They're going to do, uh, I'm sure, come out and play very hard to beat Notre Dame. But this is one of those games in the preseason where you kind of mark down a W next to it because you just, it's kind of the assumption, right? Like they're more talented than a Western Michigan squad. And Mike Bray and his crew need a big victory, especially coming off of what was a lopsided loss to Michigan State to start the year. And this is one of the very few 
easier games on their schedule after they end up playing Western Michigan. And hopefully, again, this is an easy victory. They, they face Ohio State on the 8th and Kentucky and then Duke. So it, it's going to be a packed schedule. It's going to be a, a very, very tough run after this Western Michigan game. It might sound like we're already looking past this game, but this really needs to be a stepping stone type, uh, type performance where you build some confidence and then you're ready to play against some of these these much more dominant program, programs. That, uh, this game is on Wednesday, December 2nd at 7 p.m. So you're hearing us on Tuesday. Uh, you'll get to watch the game on 7. It is only a regional sports network uh, type game. So if you're in the area of Michigan or Indiana, you should probably be able to get this on, on some type of a channel. It's not listed specifically which channels yet by the Notre Dame sports information page. If you want to go back and check that, I'm sure there will be some updated stuff on Tuesday uh, or Wednesday as we're recording this on Monday. If you can't though, you can just do what I do, which is illegally stream it through Reddit, but don't tell anybody I'm doing that. <laughs> All right, folks, let's, uh, we're going to get into talking about coming up the possibility of maybe Clark Lee defensive coordinator leaving for a Vanderbilt job. Before we get to that though, folks, I want to share a message with you from my favorite sponsor, that being Coors Light. It just feels like we're always on all the time. Now more than ever, it's important to, to stop and reset. And that's why you go and grab that Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. We've got holidays coming up. We already passed Thanksgiving. We've got whatever holiday you celebrate in December. Plenty of great family time to sit back and relax and talk with your family and, and watch sports and, and be able to sit back and also hit that reset button. And why not do it if you're going to have a drink, have a Coors Light, which is my favorite beer when I'm kicking it and relaxing with my family at various uh, family events. Coors Light wants you to know that no matter what sport you're watching right now, we've got football on, we've got basketball, Notre Dame hockey's playing on national channels, the women's basketball team is playing. Any day, and especially Saturdays, are your time to chill. Even if your team might not be playing, there are still plenty of teams and sports on TV that can give you the excuse to chill and drink a beer. It doesn't matter what team or sport is on, Coors Light is the official beer of watching any sport or team, especially the University of Notre Dame, just to drink beer. So flip through the channels, find a sport, and crack open a Coors Light. Coors Light is the one that I choose when I need to unwind, so when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Coming up on Thursday, folks, we are going to do our game preview for the Syracuse matchup. We will also do a segment of recapping the Western Michigan game. Hopefully that is going to be a victory Thursday for us to make everything a lot better after that Michigan State loss. Also Friday, we have the Locked On Syracuse guys coming on the show. Uh, one of them will come on. I believe Tyler is going to be the one hopping on. So you'll get to hear their perspective of the upcoming game this weekend. All right, so Ryan, we, we've got an interesting, um, we've got an interesting thing coming in in right now that we're we're getting this headline that came uh became prevalent on on Sunday. Vanderbilt fired their head coach, and typically when their head coaches get fired, there's going to be a lot of circulation and rumors of who's going to take over the job. And any source or any article that you read on who are the favorites 
Clark Lee's name, defensive coordinator for the Fighting Irish, his name was plastered in all of these articles for the very specific reason that he was a fullback back in the early 2000s at Vanderbilt. So he has the connection with the school. This is his alma mater. So it's continually been a connection that people are just making off of that simple fact. But I think that, Ryan, we can both agree This is not going to be a job that I think Clark Lee wants to take over, no matter the connection to the school. Where do you sit on this? Do you think that uh, we're, you know, you agree with me that he's probably not going to take this job? Oh, man, I'm I'm really kind of in between on it, Joe, to be honest. Like, I mean, out of my selfishness, right? Like, I want him to stay at Notre Dame as long as possible. Uh, Brian Kelly getting a little older, I wouldn't even be opposed to him being the heir apparent to be the next Notre Dame head coach whenever Coach Kelly decides to, you know, hang it up and retire. But it's uh, it's so tough because the timing makes sense. He's now going into multiple years as a defensive coordinator. He's a great defensive mind, one of the elite defensive coordinators, I think, already in all of college football up there with the Brett Venables and Nick Saban's of the world, like the defensive minds, the best ones in college football. I feel like Clark Lee's in that conversation already. He has that background as a fullback at Vanderbilt, so he's had some offensive and defensive experience throughout his playing and now coaching career. So that makes usually for a very good coach. He has a background at both. He he understands, well, not understands, because every coach understands, but he has a thorough knowledge of both sides of the football so I think he's going to be an excellent head coaching candidate. I doubt that he's going to be at Notre Dame forever. I absolutely doubt it because I think that he is a young star in the coaching ranks. And now his alma mater is calling. And Vanderbilt also has the same difficulties that Notre Dame has. Obviously, Vanderbilt is not to nearly the degree of a program that Notre Dame is. But Vanderbilt has the difficulties of recruiting great student-athletes with the quality of school that they have. They have some some you know development that needs to happen for all of those players. Clark Lee is used to those types of things. Um, so I think it makes a whole lot of sense. I wouldn't be shocked if he took it because you have to think that this has probably been a dream of his for a long time, to be a head coach on the college level, going back to his alma mater. It all makes sense. I feel like, though, that Clark Lee might be a guy that might sit around a little longer and maybe even get a bigger job than a Vanderbilt. Despite it being an SEC team, Vanderbilt has been a mess for a long time now. You know, since Jordan Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers' little brother, was the quarterback, they have been a very irrelevant football team under Derek Mason. So I think ultimately that Clark Lee will probably wait it out a little longer, get a much bigger job than maybe some people anticipate. But I wouldn't be completely shocked if he did take this opportunity just with the familiarity with the, with the school, the familiarity with the difficulties surrounding an academic institution and recruiting, and just his ability being such a great defensive mind and a guy that I think will be a, a very good head coach when it's all said and done. I completely understand that, Ryan. And I can, I can again, I, I, I share that one sentiment where you said that I wouldn't be surprised. I I wouldn't be shocked, but I really don't think he's going to take this job. He he played there, so maybe he obviously does have that connection where he he might want to go back. But I think that Lee is smart enough to know, having been there, if if he's thinking about his career and his future, 
this is not only a dead-end job, but it also can be a career burner because this program is one that just does not produce success. You can't out-recruit literally any other SEC team because of the academic uh, restraints because it's such a high academic institution. But separate from that, you're just never going to out-recruit a Florida, an Auburn, an Alabama, a Georgia. Those programs are always going to dominate you within your conference. It is not going to be easy to compete in, in that conference. I saw on Twitter uh, like a, a fan account that had a, a decent following. They said that all they're looking for is six wins a year. That's not something to to push and strive for. If that's all your fan base is looking for, why would you want to go play for a program where on top of that, the fans and the alumni don't even seem to be that connected with the team. It just feels like one of those Ivy League type schools where it's a really good academic institution where people feel pride in graduating from there, but they're not really going to to call home about their, you know, their their athletic program and how how good their football team is doing. I just I see an athletic program that does not succeed and I think Clark Lee is smart enough to say, "All right, this is a fantastic opportunity to be a head coach at a school that I graduated from, but at the same time, I I really would much rather get an opportunity elsewhere." Because what happens if he goes to Vanderbilt? Say hypothetically he works them up to 6 wins. That's really the ceiling here is being a six-win football team, how is he going to move on? How is he going to be able to move on to a program that he can actually go and recruit well at, put together good facilities, and put together a good football team? You're better off sticking around at Notre Dame for another year or waiting until the end of the cycle when more coaches are fired and then consider um, you know, what your options are then. I'm not. I'm complete, I'm not disagreeing in any way. I, I. I mean, I even said that a little bit, right? Like, I think that waiting it out and then letting bigger jobs potentially and, and more secure jobs open up would be the best option. I think that it it is an option that's going to present itself to them. My only pushback on just the stance, right, is the familiarity is always going to be there. Like, who knows what his his dream has always been. Maybe he's just dreamed of being the Vanderbilt coach. And I understand that they have been a bottom dweller, but we have seen them going back again to those Jordan Rogers days where they got to eight, nine wins. So it is possible. Is it likely? Probably not. But also like, let's take a different circumstance. Like let's think about Greg Schiano coming back to Rutgers. Now, obviously he had familiarity. He did not go to the school, but he returned to a place that was familiar to him. And they play in a Big Ten conference where, like, winning three games at that point when he took the job for Rutgers was like, wow, that's not the worst season in the world because we've only been winning one to two games every single year. And now I'm not going to say they're relevant because they're not yet, but, like, they played hard against Ohio State. They've gotten a couple Big Ten wins. I don't think it's insurmountable to believe that a guy that – can sell the program because he was so close to it and he is a success story from that program, can have an opportunity to get them back to some type of relevance, to make them somewhat of a of a, a brand in the SEC. And then you take into account, like right now, Tennessee football has had spurts this year, but like Tennessee is down right now. So that's going to be Vanderbilt's main competitor for recruiting in the state. I, I feel like there's some positives to the to – the, um, to the situation, 
And I wouldn't count out that if Clark Lee went there, that there wasn't an opportunity to be successful because not only is he a really good coach, I think that it'd be pretty easy for him to be able to sell Vanderbilt as a former student athlete and an ambassador for the school. Those are all good points. You know, it's a, it's a fair point. I just, I still stand by that. I just, I don't see it. I don't see the value for him uh, to possibly, possibly leave. We're going to have to wait and see and put, hopefully pray that he decides to stick around to make somewhat of a competitive run here towards the end of the season and then also into next year. Coming up, we're going to give our positional grades from the UNC game to wrap up today's show. Before we get to that, though, Ryan, do you have a message for our listeners? Absolutely, and I know it is now going into Tuesday. And what is worse than a Monday? It's got to be a Tuesday waking up in the morning. A lot of walls to break through. Break through them with Built Go today. Whether it's a mental or physical wall, we'll break through it with Go every single day. It's easy to take in one-and-a-half-ounce packages. You can put it in your briefcase for the most focused presentation ever. Put it in your golf bag. Put it in your glove compartment. Put it in your back pocket. Put it anywhere that you might need it. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. It's five-hour energy without the same crash feeling. Plus, it's natural, so it's even better for your body. It's like drinking a monster drink with a third of the caffeine and better results. Comes in three delicious flavors, peanut butter honey, chocolate coconut, and my personal favorite, chocolate mint. Bilko combines energy gel with collagen protein. The collagen protein is fast-absorbing, so it gets into my system fast. Plus, it's easy on the stomach. Bilko is loaded with good stuff to ignite my work, including beta-alamine, B3 honey, and and a kick of caffeine to finish you off. Built Go then kicks to keep you going strong throughout the day. Collagen protein pr- uh, promotes joint, soft tissue, hair, and skin health. This stuff literally makes you look better while making you perform better. Visit BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED. That's all capital LOCKED, and you'll get 20% off of your next order. Use promo code LOCKED. For 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. Every Tuesday at Locked on NFL, Luke, Braun, and Ross Jackson break down the Monday night football action and top fantasy storylines story around the NFL with the Tuesday Fantasy Forum. Luke and Ross are joined Tuesday by a Locked on Fantasy expert to help you save your lineup with waiver wire pickups, must starts, and more. Subscribe to Locked On NFL wherever you get your podcasts. Also, make sure you hit that subscribe button on our show to stay uh, up to date on all of our Notre Dame-related content. So, Ryan, let's wrap ourselves up here on today's show. Turn the page from UNC on to Syracuse. We're doing our positional grades. Ryan, I'm going to give my best position group, and I think you agree with me here, to the defensive line and the pass rush. They played very stoutly against the run. They were clogging rushing lanes. Adi Ogundeji had a fantastic game. I thought Dalen Hayes played really well. And they also got after Sam Howell to produce sacks and also to fluster a guy that tends to be pretty confident in the pocket. They're the big reason, in my opinion, why they won. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I think it has to go to the defensive line as the most outstanding unit of the day. You mentioned Adi Ogundiji had a great game. Dalen Hayes is that consistent player at defensive end. But even guys, younger guys got sprinkled into the mix and showed a lot of flashes. Isaiah Foskey had a sack during the day. Uh, Justin Adam Malola had a sack during the day. Riley Mills chipped in with half a sack. Even Howard Cross on the interior, the former defensive end recruit now playing inside, had some flashes. It was the depth of the defensive line class for me 
that really showed out during the day. And no matter who was in, no matter what player, like six or seven deep on that defensive line, guys were making plays. It wasn't even the usual suspects, you know, our, our starting defensive tackles that were really making the big impact. It was the depth of that group, and they did such a phenomenal job that not only does it, not only was it a standout performance during a game against a number twenty team on the, in, you know, in the country on the road. But also, it gives you a good sense of um, of confidence now with this younger group moving forward to next year, the year after. This defensive line group is loaded with potential talent for the years to come. Yeah, the defensive line continues to be that true bright spot in this uh, on this this uh, Notre Dame defense. Big reason why they're performing so well. Not only the starters, but the depth is a big reason why we've seen some serious success. Now, if we were to pick a, a position group out of all of them that, that struggled a little bit, I don't want to pick this group because I thought that they had a, a horrendous day. I think the defense played very well across the board. But if we were going to pick one group, Ryan, and we're again on the same page here, the secondary did not have their best day specifically to start the game. I'm pointing at those big passes, those big splash plays that they allowed early on, and that was what gave North Carolina some early confidence. They were able to regain their footing and figure their stuff out, and they didn't really allow any big plays like that anymore. But that early success to UNC's offense was because of some issues um, when trying to play in these contested situations and also giving up these big plays. The big thing, too, the one play I point to specifically is the one the first touchdown scored by UNC it was a contested situation a ball that could have been batted down but it was a really aggressive catch made by one of UNC's lower receivers that's lower down the depth chart not even one of their top guys that's a play that frankly just can't happen so a couple of those plays in there Ryan are big reason why I'm picking them as the the worst position group yeah, it really is nitpicking because the defensive, I mean, the defense in general played outstanding. The secondary in spurts played great football. Kyle Hamilton gets knocked out, though, which, you know, it's going to take it down a peg. I thought Nick McLeod played a fine football game. It's really half the secondary for me was not great, especially early. Tariq Bracey was that corner that you were talking about in that contested catch situation that was not able to locate well enough and break up the pass. It was solid coverage, but. You know, the the limitations of Tariq Bracey, because I feel like week in and week out now, going back to the Clemson game, Tariq Bracey's given up some big plays. He gave up that long one to Diami Brown um, a couple of drives after that. He is, by all accounts, and I mean this the nicest way possible, he's the weak link of the defense, you know, and I, I don't mean to, to kill the kid because I know he's playing his tail off, but there's a reason that Clarence Lewis, the three-star true freshman, is playing a ton and even starting a couple of games here for Notre Dame. Tariq Bracey has not been great. Sean Crawford was not great either before leaving with injury. He missed a tackle on Daz Newsom on a little bubble screen. So the secondary was not great, especially early. But, you know, still a part of a defense that only gave up 17 points. So we are we are definitely nitpicking just when you look at it, right? Like almost every position group offensively was rock solid. Defensive line was fantastic. Linebacker was maybe one of their best games I've seen them play. Secondary was good in spurts, but they gave up some big plays, and they they are definitely at this point, you know, missing a couple maybe a couple pieces that we wish that we had, which would make that unit look even more dominant than it has so far this year. 
All right, folks, that is going to be it from us on today's show of Locked on Irish. Uh, Stay tuned for tomorrow's show, but on Thursday, we are going to be recapping the Western Michigan game and also previewing Syracuse. That is going to be our most packed show of the week. Follow us on uh, social media at Locked on Irish, at uh, Joe DeLeon, and also at Rise and Draft for Ryan. Hit that subscribe button if you enjoy the show, just to stay up to date and never miss an episode. episode. Lastly, if you're looking for something to tune into, I talked about that Locked On NFL show. If you want to hear some fantasy news and some advice, Ross Jackson is a fantastic host. Go tune into that um, as that is a, you know, a great show if you're looking to hear something different and still want to hear some football-related content. We'll see you tomorrow, folks. Enjoy the rest of your day.